Welcome to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Resnick. This episode is brought to you in part by Independent Pharmacy Alliance, IPA. IPA is a trade association buying group representing 3,700 plus independent pharmacies, leveraging buying power to help pharmacies access pharmaceuticals at the best prices. IPA now offers comprehensive third-party help desk, legislative advocacy, and continuing education free of charge to members. Learn more today at ipagroup.org. Hey, we have a great episode today. In this episode of the IPA podcast, we're going to speak with Tennessee Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger. Congressman Harshbarger is a licensed pharmacist and a successful business owner for over three decades. She currently serves on the House Education and Labor Committees and on the House Homeland Security Committees. Congresswoman, thank you for coming on to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. We're happy to have you today. Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. We love interviewing pharmacists, but Not only are you a pharmacist by trade, but you're also the second pharmacist in Congress as well? Absolutely. I told Buddy Carter from Georgia when I got elected, I said, Buddy, we doubled our numbers. And I'm the first female pharmacist, I guess you could say, elected. I told Buddy he could keep his OPIC nickname, only pharmacist in Congress. I told him he'd just have to change it to the oldest pharmacist in Congress. There you go. There it is. There it is. You know, Buddy, he's had the spotlight for a while because he used to be the only pharmacist. So I think there's room for another pharmacist in Congress, no doubt about it. Absolutely. So, Congressman, you have a unique background. Can you speak a bit about your professional background as a pharmacist and a business owner? And I wanted to understand what motivated you to run for Congress because, you know, it seems like you already had a lot of things going on in your life with your business and your profession. What inspired you to run for Congress? Why did you want to do it? Well, I've been a pharmacist 36 years and owned a lot of independent pharmacies. And I've done everything in pharmacy, I guess you could do, sterile, non-sterile. I'm a compounder. I've done home health hospice, the whole gamut, everything but nuclear. And, you know, I've been coming, Anthony, up to D.C. for 25 years talking to my congressmen and senators about my profession and the overcrushing regulation, for one thing. And then a lot of times there's legislations, for example, DQSA, when we came up to talk about that, you try to get the point across. And with all the years of experience that my colleagues and I had, it's like, well, if they can't get the legislation right, and I learned really quickly that words matter in legislation, those words have significant meaning when you pass a piece of legislation. And I thought when my congressman, Dr. Phil Rowe, uh, decided to retire, and this was an open seat, I said, heck, if they can't get it done, I'll just do it myself. And when you raise your hand and say, pick me, you have to run against 16 people and 80 years political experience. There better be something different about you. And I think it was that I'd never been politically active or never held public office. And honestly, people wanted an outsider and a business owner. And here I am. And I've been reelected recently. So now the work begins in the majority. So I look forward to doing that. Congresswoman, being a pharmacist, you have a unique perspective into drug pricing. And you understand the complicated world of how prescription drugs are priced in the U.S. So drug benefits of more than 265 million Americans are handled by pharmacy benefit managers. Now, these are middlemen 
in the drug supply chain. A lot of people out there, they may not be familiar with what pharmacy benefit managers are or PBMs. Just to make a long story short, if you take a look at the Fortune 500 list, you'll see the top PBMs and the insurance companies that they're integrated with right in the top of the Fortune 500 list. You have to go all the way down that list to about number 50 to find Disney. So that gives you an idea how big these companies are. Could you explain the large role that pharmacy benefit managers play in drug pricing in the United States? Well, yeah, you know, that's what I've dealt with my whole career, because when you run a hybrid pharmacy, you're going to bill insurance for the commercial available things. And then they won't even cover compounds now, generally, unless you use commercial available products in those compounds. But PBMs have a tremendous and a huge oversized impact on our healthcare. And, you know, you're talking about 265 million Americans. You've got Medicare, you've got Medicaid, you've got commercial plans. They all use PBMs to manage their drug benefits and they wield enormous power. What, what can I say? You know, they tell you what drugs are covered, what drugs are not covered by an insurance. They negotiate purchasing deals with drug makers. They determine co-pays. You know, and a lot of times these little people would come into the pharmacy and their copay structure had totally changed. They decide which pharmacies will be included in plans and which ones are closed networks. You know, they decide how much pharmacies are reimbursed for drugs. And they've never been clear. They've never been transparent about how they price those drugs or how they spend. And, you know, you have very little choices consumers do because you've got three PBMs that control 80% of the prescription drug market. And that's because of vertical integration. And here we go back to my 25 years coming to the Hill. This has been allowed to happen by federal regulators. And I want you to listen to this, Anthony, because this says it all. PBMs don't treat a single patient. They don't cure a single disease and they don't insure a single American. But here we are, these shadowy middlemen, they manage every aspect of a prescription drug benefit. And uh, these are health insurance companies, self-insured employers, which I have a lot in my district, unions and government programs. And they operate out of the view of regulators and consumers setting prescription costs, all kinds of things they do. And that lack of transparency makes it impossible for us in Congress to understand how they work. They manipulate the prescription drug market to increase profits, which exactly what you said. If you look at Fortune 500, look at what these CEOs are bringing down. And then we can't even track to see what amount goes to the customer. Do we know? We don't know. But we've got some answers coming to that, sir. Absolutely coming in this next Congress. And do you feel the next Congress, when it comes in, they're going to take a serious look at PBMs and how they increase costs, both for the patient and for small independent pharmacies? I think there's a really good chance. I've been talking to James Comer over oversight. And, you know, I was invited to an oversight hearing for PBM management. And boy, did we have a lot of fun on that hearing because what we found out, it's your healthcare providers too, like your rheumatologist, your oncologist, your specialty pharmacies. All I had to do was expose what PBMs do. And then they ganged up on that PBM provider. It was priceless. And there's widespread bipartisan support for examining these PBMs and so looking into how they're causing Americans to pay higher prices for prescription drugs. And now more than ever, we have that opportunity in Congress to reform these 
anti-competitive business practices. And we can promote, hopefully, price transparency and lower prescription drug costs. And it's time to stop gouging our poor independent pharmacies. And it's time to make these life-saving drugs affordable to the patient, you know, Do you want the government controlling and going out and negotiating pricing for drugs? I don't want them to negotiate a price for anything, honestly. And how in the world that's going to be a problem as far as rare and ultra rare diseases. People can't afford for the prescriptions now. What's going to happen? But I will tell you this. They've got to be held accountable for the roles. I keep telling these guys, I'm like, we don't want to put a silver bullet through your heart. We just want you to be transparent and we're going to hold you accountable. That's all that we ask. So it's interesting what you said, Congresswoman, that there's bipartisan support to finally make PBMs transparent, to understand how they may be gouging patients, how they may be negatively impacting independent community pharmacies. and I went online, I read a few articles. Some of the articles I read said that lawmakers in Congress, both parties, they're looking ahead to the new Congress with an increased focus on pharmacy benefit managers and the role they play in setting drug prices. When you're looking at 2023, what do you envision in terms of PBM reform on the Hill? Well, I'll tell you this, Oversight's looking at it. We want Energy and Commerce to take a lead in that as well. There's PBM Accountability Study Act that I introduced in the House. It's a companion bill to uh, Senator Blackburn in the Senate. And we know that's going to be added to legislation. It's a PBM Transparency Act, I do believe, that Marsha Blackburn, Senator Blackburn, was successful in adding our language to that bipartisan PBM reform bill. And I'll put it to you this way. They're going to look at the role these PBMs play in pharmaceutical supply chains, in the state of competition in the industry, their use of prior authorization and step therapy, for God's sakes. Physicians are clamoring for that, and so are pharmacists. How much of that rebate goes to a patient versus a payer, and how much do the PBMs keep? That's a huge question. There's nothing there because, you know, when I came to Congress, I'm like, wait a minute, who audits the PBMs? They're like, uh, nobody. And I'm like, well, that's going to stop. Okay, forget that business. And we're going to find out whether PBM structured their formularies in favor of high rebate prescription drugs over lower cost alternatives. And that was a huge thing in that oversight committee. Rheumatologists were saying, why do you approve a $10,000 drug when you won't even let us do something that works for $2,000? You make us go through that step approach. We want to know the extent to which you price PBMs charge for a drug to a government program versus a private insurance plan and what it is that they pay pharmacies for that drug. There's a lot of things we're going to be looking at, and I'm sure you probably got a question about what we're doing with the FTC. In June of 2022, the FTC voted unanimously, I might add. First, the Republicans voted no to go in and launch an inquiry about how PBMs are structured and how they operate. But when myself and Betty Carter, we picked the phone up and said, okay, Commissioner, we talked to each one of them individually and we said, look, let us help you. And they voted in June to go ahead unanimously, that is, three Democrats, two Republicans, to launch an inquiry into the prescription drug middleman industry requiring six PBMs to provide information and records regarding their business practices. And the agency's inquiry rule, what it does, it's going to scrutinize the impact of vertically integrated pharmacy benefit managers. I mean, who thought it was a good idea for CBS to buy Caremark, OMG, and for Merck and Medco? You know, 
We know it in the pharmacy world, but my God above, my job is to go out and educate each member of Congress to say, listen, let's look at this. So that's what Buddy Carter and I did. And we worked in the spring to reach out and talk to those commissioners. And I'm looking at the FTC probe investigation. It's called a 6B study, and it refers to the section of the FTC Act that gives the FTC broad subpoena power to request information from people, partnerships, and corporations. And this whole inquiry is aimed at shedding light on several practices that have drawn scrutiny, which is the fees and clawbacks charged to unaffiliated pharmacies, methods to steer patients toward pharmacy benefit manager-owned pharmacies, potentially unfair audits of independent pharmacies. How many of those have I gone through? Desk audits, in-person audits, complicated and opaque methods to determine pharmacy reimbursement. Who knows what the heck your plan pays you, for God's sakes, because your PSAO normally holds your contract and you don't ever get to see that. And it's also going to look at the prevalence of prior authorizations and other administrative restrictions, the use of specialty drugs, and the list surrounding specialty pharmacy drug policies. And it's going to study the impact of rebates and fees from drug manufacturers on formulary design and the cost of prescription drugs to payers and patients. And we've offered help to load them with questions on the front end. And, you know, it'll be the first time in 15 years the FTC has even looked at the PBM industry. And this will be valuable information for Congress and all of us policymakers to promote drug transparency and lower prescription drug costs and help these independents out. We've got 2000 a year closing. And who takes better care of their patients? Go ask West Virginia. They rolled the COVID vaccine out perfectly. And everybody's like, how did they do it? How did they do it? Well, they use their independent pharmacies, for God's sakes, people who know their patient base. So Lord, it's not rocket science up here, Anthony. We've got to take that calculus problem and reduce it to simple addition. It's real simple. You know, Carter, so it's interesting that Federal Trade Commissions, I find it interesting because 15 years ago, like you said, they just allowed every company under the sun to vertically integrate, combine. We have CBX combining with Aetna or United Health combining with Optum. And it caused yeah. this entire problem over the last two decades or so, where you have a virtual monopoly of companies that limit competition in this space. And when you limit competition in this space, drug prices increase. The only way that we're going to reduce drug pricing is if we have more competition in the insurance and pharmacy benefit manager space. But the FTC has, in effect, over the last two decades, just killed all the competition by allowing these large players to gobble everybody up. But what you're saying is really interesting. Now, they're actually going to investigate what happened. And what hope do you have that the investigation is actually going to come through with anything of value and maybe possibly change things to allow more competition in this space? Well, competition makes everything better, Anthony. People have to drive by probably 50 pharmacies to come and see me when I was practicing. Uh, Now my son runs a business and I'm telling you, you better be different for them to want to come. And all they want is the truth. Tell us how to navigate this. You know, the gag order that President Trump released where we could help patients not steering them toward a plan, but for heaven's sakes, you know, look at the population we're taking care of, the baby boomers, the geriatric patients. They don't have uh, computer literate skills. It is our job as pharmacists to take care of them. 
and physicians depend on us. Your healthcare providers depend on us. You have to remember who we are as pharmacists. And this is what we told the FTC. Look, most everybody lives probably five minutes from a pharmacy. You don't have to make an appointment to get there. And you come up to the counter and here we are. We triage you. You don't have to make an appointment. You come on in and we will help you with your issue. We're the most accessible healthcare provider, period. And being in business for all those years, my primary concern was take care of that little patient, do no harm. And this is what we told them. Look, come to the leaders, come to the provider. Let us help you with this. You know, sunlight is a great disinfectant and it's time for redemption. The FTC can be redeemed by going through this study. Redemption could be had by anybody and we're going to allow them to come on in. We think it's going to take one and a half to two years for them to, but in the meantime, they can issue interim reports if they deem it necessary. And the whole point is hold their feet to the fire. Don't let them off the hook. We're going to question them and we're going to keep on them. What have you learned? What questions have you asked? What did you find out? They have the authority to subpoena those things. We can look at those records. We've got oversight looking at it. We've got ENC looking at it. We've got people interested and it's bipartisan. It's on both sides because every one of these members of Congress live in a district where people use a pharmacy that has pharmacy benefit managers to manage your plans and especially those self-insured companies. Accountability, that's all we want with government. For God's sakes, why am I here? I want people to hold me accountable for what I do Well, it's time to take these three and four letter bureaucratic agencies. And you know my thoughts on that, Anthony. I'd get rid of 50% of them and then cut or gut the other 50. But hold them accountable. Make them do their dang job and go and investigate this. This vertical integration has occurred for far too long with no restraint. Oh, yeah, just go ahead and do it. You know, we'll see what happens later. Well, it's, it's time to pay the piper. And first time in 15 years, it's time to take that microscopic look and figure out how much have they made in 15 years, do you think? Lord Jesus, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, that might be a question I throw at them. Well, you don't have to look very far. You just look at the Fortune 500. There Mm -hmm. it is. And one of the things that you talked about is how much are they keeping? We really don't know how much money they're actually keeping. They're extracting money from the drug manufacturers and rebates. They're taking money from independent pharmacies on the back end after they dispense the drug. Yeah. They're taking money from the patient and they're constantly saying, we're saving you money. We're saving you money, but everybody's paying more and they're making more. So what you're saying is extremely important is that we need some sunlight in this area. And it's really encouraging to hear that this may happen on a bipartisan effort. I wanted to ask you something, Congresswoman. So when I started in pharmacy about eight years ago or so, and I used to talk to legislators about PBMs and pharmacy benefit managers, mm-hmm. I would get a blank stare. Like they would just look at me, what, who? Yeah. And it was really hard to explain to them what a PBM was, what they do and how they impact drug pricing. But Over the course of years, I think I've really seen a change in terms of how the education on the Hill and both in state legislatures about what PBMs are and how they impact taxpayers, pharmacies, consumers. Have you seen a bigger understanding on the Hill in terms of what PBMs are and the role that they're playing? Yeah, you know, there's some understanding, but like I told you before, it's almost like a calculus problem. You're not solving for X for anything, for God's sakes. It is so convoluted and they make it so complicated that 
They're like, la, 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 la. And they just throw their hands up and say, I, I don't understand. Well, you cannot fix a problem if you don't understand it. Well, guess what? We understand. And I'm going to make it real simple for all these other members to understand. And James Comer introduced me to the Democratic colleague on oversight. And we had us a conversation. And he's like, wow. And they're going to invite me back to that hearing. And I said, Lord, I should ask for oversight. But you know what? This is fun stuff. And knowing I'm on two committees now, and, and I do one on energy and commerce because I have a healthcare background. And I think that it's befitting to put people with specific backgrounds and knowledge in those areas, put them on those committees where they can do the most good. And um, there's so much we can do. And now the Senate is picking it up. Like we said, Senator Blackburn, Senator Grassley, Roger Marshall, Senator Marshall is positioned on that side. You know, when you're a freshman member like I am, but you're getting invited to these committees because of your knowledge base, that's huge. And I want them to know that you need somebody with a knowledge base in order to dissemble these. And there's other people I know that we can bring in front of those committees that can really shed light on the practices and what's been going on. We know we're in this world. Those other people don't know. So it's our job to bring those pertinent people in and let those committees hear from them as to how these PBMs are misleading. And, you know, you want to lower the cost of drugs? Well, just say, what? what's your fee? What are you doing? How are you doing it? How come they get the benefit? You know, most states too, though, let me go back to that. You know, in Tennessee, we have pharmacists in the Senate. We have passed PBM legislation. But it's like, they're just looking at it saying, eh, well, we see your law, but we're not going to do anything. It's like, what? So you better go back, look at what your state laws are, revamp them to hold them accountable. And, you know, any willing provider like in our state, you know, as an independent pharmacy, it's hard to get contracts. Well, hold their feet to the fire. These audits are unbelievable. These DIRs and clawbacks that they're doing is unbelievable. Now the manufacturers are in the middle of, I mean, there's, if you don't make, do a certain amount of money, you can't do business with some of these wholesalers. One thing leads to another, to another, to another. And we need to unravel this whole thing. I was telling somebody a few minutes ago on another Zoom call, I'm like, we need to do like Sig Sig, put our paper on the wall, start writing down everything that makes sense. And where do we dead in? Figure it out and ask those hard questions. And let's watch them squirm. You know, a lot of times I watch the Senate question of PBMs. I'm like, OMG, you're not even asking the right questions. That's before I was in Congress. Now we can help them. I'm here to help. And I'm from the government, Anthony. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that before. I'm from the government. I'm here to help. You know? <laughs> but I truly am. Remember. Sure. <laughs> and what you said is really important, too. The PBM stuff does not have to be complicated, but they make it complicated on purpose so that nobody can understand it. Anthony, I remember when PBMs first came into existence and I was using a credit card thing that said PCS and I did it like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we do like an old credit card and we wrote the price of the drug, the dispensing fee, and we pulled the middle part out and shipped it to PCS and they processed it in Scottsdale, Arizona, and they sent me a check. It wasn't mm -hmm. that hard. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I have some uh, pharmacy owners, they tell me the same thing. Anthony, I don't know what happened. They just well, processed the payment and now my entire well, livelihood depends on them. Listen, they're running a little scared right now because mm -hmm. I get feedback from downtown. They're like, what's that Hershberger? What's <laughs> what's I'm like, they're going to know me before it's over. I'm a nice Southern woman, but like I told you, still Magnolia. I'll smile. <laughs> 
that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing them squirm. I definitely want to see them squirm a bit. No question. Well, about it. just go back and look at the hearing on PDMs that Jim Comer did last year. It was fun, and he's already told me. But this is the key thing. These committees are already talking to each other. For Jim to come to me, introduce mm -hmm. me to the Democratic, you know, he'll be the ranking member, and they're like, yes, we need to do this because they're getting feedback from their independent pharmacies. When big pharma starts screaming, I mean, you know you've hit a nerve mm -hmm. when the drug companies are saying, help us. I'm like, yeah. So, you know, it's one of those deals. So we know they know we're coming. When they try to change language in a contract that says, this is what your reimbursement fee is now, but if they take the DRR fees away, this is what your reimbursement's going to be. They know Congress is coming, mm -hmm. but we have to do it right the first time. Congresswoman, I, I think it's great that you're there. I think you're going to add a fantastic voice for the pharmacy profession in Congress. Buddy Carter's done a great job, but I, I think you're going to give him a run for his money. I, I think you will. And I think a lot of pharmacy owners that I've spoken to are really feeling good that the PBM issue has been recognized as a problem, yeah. but that PBMs are increasing drug costs, that they are impacting competition. Yeah. And it's so important to have your voice there, somebody who's actually been involved in the real world and understands what yeah. PBMs do and how they impact patients and pharmacies. So I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. And thank you for all the work that you've done and the work that you can continue to do. Oh, Anthony, my pleasure. You call me anytime and I'll be happy to do another podcast for you. Maybe to give you results on what we've done in Congress. That would be awesome. I would love that, Congresswoman. We'll definitely have you back because I would love to provide you know our members and listeners updates on what's going on in Congress with PBMs. And I think we're really going to see something this really? year. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah. I feel it too. Let's get her done and uh, let's save these pharmacies from closing their doors because we're losing more and more every day. I told him, I said, a year and a half to two years, we won't have anybody left. We can't have that. So put the pedal to the metal and let us help you and we'll expose it. And all the American people want and business owners want, just give us the truth. We can work with it. We're trying to get to the truth. So I'm happy to help. This is a profession I love. I'm still a pharmacist. I still have to do my CE. I got to have a few more hours for the end of the year, as a matter of fact. So thank you, Congresswoman, for joining me today. To learn more about Congresswoman Harshbarger, go to harshbarger.house.gov. Thanks for listening to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. This podcast was made possible by the Independent Pharmacy Alliance and the president and CEO, John Giampolo. It was produced and edited by Zach Stone with music by Marcus Way. For previous and future episodes, check out ipagroup.org. Thank you very much. Bye for now.